Well, what a joy to be with fellow believers <laughs> of like precious faith. You know, I thought about um, it's a joy to be with fellow believers out of every kindred, tri- tribe, tongue, and nation. But I thought, you know, it's a joy to be with you all here this morning. <laughs> you know, often I think of the tribes and nations. Timothy, I'm sure, thinks of those things too. I was a missionary once in Africa, and I look forward to being with um you know, my Dugumba brethren, uh, who, we minister, who we were ministering to the time uh, that, that we were there. But, um, but also just, you know, it, I, I look forward to being with my brothers and sisters who, who I know, you know, who, we, who we're close to. And, and uh, so it's a joy to be with you here this morning. It's a great joy. To, this is my first time here. And um, so I trust the Lord has given me a message for you all. I was studying yesterday and just pondering what the Lord would have me to share, and uh, I felt like God gave me a message, and I trust that uh, the Lord will feed us all this morning through his word. So can we stand in prayer before we get started here? Father, we worship you and we love you this morning. Thank you for being our Father, and Father, I do ask you for your grace to share your word today, Lord, your words, they are spirit in their life. And so, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would give me grace to feed this congregation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Thank you, Father, uh, that, yes, they are from every tribe, Lord, but they're also, uh, you know, they're right close, Lord, in our own communities. We thank you, Lord, that we can rub shoulders and interact, Father, and so, Father, do bless our time here together, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Well, I felt like the Lord gave me a message, like I said, for, you, for us all this morning. And um, more recently, well, about two years ago, I, um, I was going through a real, I don't know, it was just a battle in my life, just kind of a battle with discouragement and and uh, just, was a, uh, you know, having a hard time finding my way in kind of defeating that thing. Getting, you know, getting to the place where I could overcome it when it came my way. And just had a little, just had a lot of uh, kind of struggles in that area. And then uh, Brother Emmanuel had a, had a message at Charity, uh, a series of messages called uh, Touching the Invisible. And through that, the Lord really ministered to my spirit, and I was able to see who I am in Christ to a, to a greater degree, and, you know, who I am in that, I mean, Romans says we're dead to sin, amen, and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, and, and that just really helped me to recognize my position in Christ, and that, you know, sin shall not have dominion over me, I mean, if you want to call discouragement sin, it I don't know how to look at it all exactly, but it was something undesirable in my life for sure, <laughs> which I think it is to us all. And um, so that was about two years ago. And um, more recently, I felt uh, I felt myself in in a few situations where I just felt like I was up against. I felt like you know, have you ever gotten there where you just feel like is there is there a way? I mean, it just feels like you're up against. And um, and anyway, but God, both times, as I kept my eyes on the Lord, He made a way. 
God made a way. I mean, it was like I was up against, and the Lord just, when I came up against that thing and I kept my eyes on the Lord, on Christ, a way was opened up. And so that's the title of my message this morning. I'd like to uh, title the message, But Our Eyes Are Upon Thee. But Our Eyes Are Upon Thee. And let's go to uh, Second Chronicles. And I know many, most of us know this story of, of Jehoshaphat. And what he was up against there. And I'll start reading in chapter, in chapter 20 verse 1. But like I said, the title is, But Our Eyes Are Upon Thee. And that's exactly the situation Jehoshaphat was in. He was up against. He was up against an exceeding great army. I'm not sure how, you know, how large this army was. But he was up against an exceeding great multitude of people coming against him. So I'll start reading here in verse um, 1 of chapter 20. It says, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them, all, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Tamar, which is in Jedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So we see this great multitude coming against Jehoshaphat and Israel. And um, it says Jehoshaphat feared. He was a he was a God fearing man. We know that we know the story of Jehoshaphat. Most of us, you know, he was he was Asa's uh, uh, son. And Asa had also, although the latter part of Asa didn't turn out so well, but Asa also had been a very God fearing king for most of his uh, kingship and realm. Or he was king over Israel. But here it says, um, Jehoshaphat feared. And, and that's what I'd like to start with this morning is the importance of when we're up against. When we're up against situations that we don't know what to do with. That there's a seeking of the Lord. You know, that we don't turn to our own methods, our own ideas, our own ways, our own thoughts. But that we acknowledge the Lord in the situation. Like it says in Proverbs, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. and all thy ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct thy path. And, uh, and so this was the case with Jehoshaphat. You know, he feared. He feared God. But he, in, a, in, a, in this sense, I think he was also afraid perhaps of the exceeding. There was a place of fear in his heart. And yet, uh, like like David says, you know what time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. And at the same time of, of, of the fear that he was experiencing and, and up against, there was a turning of his heart to the Lord. And together with all Israel, Israel um, says he, he sought the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And so the importance of seeking God. God is our answer. Amen. And I know we know that in our head. But too many times, I 
I think we, at least I have, you know, I come up against and, and I have, you know, I haven't really, um, maybe the Lord hasn't given me an answer at that time yet and I, and I, and I get dismayed. That, that's happened. I mean, it's happened to me quite often. And, you know, I get into a place of dismay because I, I don't know the way. I don't know how to, I don't have the answer and I don't know how, how, how is the way going to possibly open up before me in this situation. Anyway, that was, that was the situation with Jehoshaphat. They did, there was no way that they, they recognized, he recognized, there's no way that we can defeat and conquer this great multitude and army coming against us. But they began to seek the Lord. And, um, you know, in Psalms it says, in Psalms 18 it says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. And I, I admit, the past two times in the last few weeks that I've encountered places where I was up against, it just felt like ungodly men were against me. Just where I was up against the, I mean, David says the sorrows of, 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 um, of hell compassed me about. But anyway, David says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So, so shall I be saved from an enemy. So shall I be saved from an enemy. Amen. Let's learn to call upon the Lord in our time of distress, in our time of difficulty, in our time where we know not whither, whether to go. We don't know the way through. We're up against. And there appears to be absolutely no way. Through this situation. David says, I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. You know, he was at a place of great distress. And in you and I, in your life and mine, I know we face times of distress. We all face it. We face times when we know not what to do. We know not whither to go. I'm reminded of a few years ago. This goes, this goes back about ten years probably, something like that. Uh, we were up against, my wife and I, um, with her father, which would be my father-in-law. And it's just a good example of, of God coming through and in a powerful way. <laughs> We were up against, my father-in-law has had uh, some problems with depression. And at that, um, just before he entered into a depression, he had broken his neck. He fell out of an apple tree and broke his neck. And um, so he had this neck brace on and was at my, um, he was at my um, sister-in-law, which would be Barb's sister and her, and her husband's place. And so they were taking care of him. And um, anyway, he was there. And um, as he was there, you know, for a week or so, he began to just get get into a he began to get into a depressed mode. He began to get discouraged, and then depression took over. And um, and anyway, in that depression, it was it was a demonic thing. I mean, he was so out of it at times that he would say, you know, he would wake up in the morning and just say, you mean I'm still here? And he was constantly, you know, just kneeling on the floor and asking God to forgive him. And and yet he was in turmoil, torment. He was in absolute tor- turmoil and 
torment. It was actually absolutely tormented. Well, during that time, my wife's uh, sister and her husband, we looked at it as a spiritual thing. And, uh, but my wife's sister and her husband looked at it as a, something mental, physical that he needed to go on medicine for. And I'm not, I'm not saying there's never a time for that, but we knew it was, it was a case where, you know, there was demonic activity in my father-in-law's life. And, uh, eventually they began to, eventually they, uh, asked us, they told us we're no longer able to come on the property because we were just, we were, you know, we were trying to minister to him spiritually and they were feeling like it's a mental thing that he needs to go on medicine. And so we were just kind of at opposite pools in the way we saw things and viewed things. And um, so here we were, absolutely shut out of his life. In a great time of need. And you have to understand my wife. You have to understand, Barb. You know, her and her dad are best of friends. He's still Amish, and we're not, but they're best of friends. And Barb just couldn't take it. She couldn't take it that, you know, I'm shut out of his life. And here he is with the devil, with the enemy trying to take. It was evident to me, to both of us, that the enemy was endeavoring to take his life, his soul. And uh, anyway, I still remember, I didn't see this. I think I was off at work, but Barb just shared it with me after I came home from work. She said, I went out to the back lawn, and I just lifted my hands toward heaven, and I cried out to God cried out for his help and his grace and his mercy. And I, I just feel like it's a beautiful example as I think of, of God, of, of somebody being up against. Up against. Here she was. She was shut out from her sister and, and, and uh, brother-in-law's home. Couldn't minister to her father anymore. And just cried out to the Lord for deliverance. And I won't go into the whole, the whole story, how he got delivered, but God miraculously came through. Her mother, is, her mother I, uh, was born again at that time and, and still is serving the Lord. And anyway, God used her own mother in a night when her mother was totally distressed and couldn't get to us for help to cast out the enemy to deliver her own husband from, from the power of, of, of Satan, from the power of the enemy. And, um, and God miraculously came through, just simply through my wife and I, you know, my wife keeping her eyes upon the Lord in a great time of distress. And God came through. God made a way. And uh, my father-in-law has gone through a second depression since then. I would I would say the first time the, you know the the, if I can say the enemy was cast out, and the second time he got converted. Today I believe her father is a child of God. And just, but I I often say I think he would have been twice dead if it weren't for the prayers of my dear wife in a time when she was shut out of his life, especially that first time. So just an example of as we, turn, as we keep our hearts stayed upon the Lord in times of distress, in times when situations, 
times when we're completely up against. But God makes a way. God makes a way in those times. Okay, let's go on. Let's go on to verse 5. It says here, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest thou not over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gaveth it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If, when evil cometh upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, be, and now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou, giveth, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge us? I'm sorry, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And I'd just like to bring out here, you know, again, in there, you know, as we see them in this place, where there was this great multitude, this great army, this great enemy coming against them, there was a seeking of the Lord. But here we also see their prayer. And we see how when in their prayer, they brought to remembrance the mighty acts of God. And sometimes we need to do that, brother and sister. Just bring to remembrance the mighty acts of God in our lives. Calling to remembrance how God delivered us in a time of need. Or maybe delivered our, our congregation. And that, you know, as we see Jehoshaphat doing exactly that, in verse 6 it says, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou, art, art not thou God in heaven and ruleth, I'm sorry, I wanted to go to verse 7. Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gaveth it, gaveth it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever. You know, calling to remembrance. It's an important part sometimes of getting through something. Remembering that God worked mightily before in our lives. He worked mightily. And perhaps a deliverance and perhaps a, um, you know, a seeking of the Lord for someone else. He worked mightily. And calling to remembrance. And that's what Jehoshaphat did. He was calling to remembrance what God had done in Israel. How many times Israel was in distress. Of course, we know Egypt, how he uh, delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. But many times in the wilderness, they were in a place of distress. No water, no, no food, and, and you know, and, it, and, and they found themselves at a great place of need time and time again. But through it all, the heart of God was that they learned to live by, not bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And that's God's heart in our trials. You know, that we learn to live according to His Word. 
We learn to live by that quickened word. And I'll get, there, I'll get to that in a little, um, a little later here. But anyway, uh, Jehoshaphat called to remembrance the mighty acts of God. And then he says, and um, verse 8, And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. We see him. We see him here claiming the promises of God. You know, he's bringing a promise to the Lord and saying, was it not your promise that if we stand before you in this house, whether we face evil of, of whatever sort, the sword, judgment, what does he say, uh, famine, whatever evil we face, is it not your promise that you've promised to help us and to deliver us in our time of affliction? So that's an important part of prayer. That's an important part of coming before the Lord and realizing that here's a promise, here's a promise that, that God has in His Word for, the, for my situation, for the situation at hand. And that's what, that's what uh, Jehoshaphat did. You know, he just took the promise of God and brought it before the Lord. He said, God, is this not your promise to us? That when we find our place, find ourselves in a place of affliction such as this, that you will deliver. You will deliver. You will, you will come through and help in, in our time. You will hear and help in our time of, of affliction. Then he brought in the circumstance. You know, then he, in verse 10, he brought in the circumstance they were in. He says, And now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seor, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. He brought the very situation they were in before the Lord. And laid it before God and said, here we are. This is the situation we're up against. And Father, yeah, this is the situation we're facing. This is the affliction that we need deliverance from. And so he laid the matter before the Lord. Thank you, brother. Okay. So let's remember, you know, the enemy comes, the enemy comes to dispossess us from our inheritance. It says in verse 11, I, behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession. You know, the, the, um, the uh, opening this morning was a blessing in that regards. You know, God has purposes for each of our lives. Every last one of us. I love the, I love the scripture there in Romans where it says, all things work together. And even these, even our enemy, you know, even the enemies coming against us, even the afflictions and much difficulty we face sometimes in our, in our Christian walk, all those things work together for good to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now, if you're after the world's purpose, that's not, that promise is not there for you. <laughs> but if you're striving according to His purpose, all things work together for good. Everything. 
Nothing passes through our lives if we're after the purposes of God for our, for our life. Nothing. Nothing goes through God's sieve except that it works together for good. I mean, Job is a good example. Worked together for good. In Job's life, he, he was, what, what does it say? His latter end was better than the first and I think it was doubled basically. You know, Job looked at things that way. Everything is working together for my good. Even my wife telling me, why don't you curse God and die? Everything. We can take everything and realize it's going to work together for good. And in fact, the next verse says, being predestinated, being predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. (laughs) That's what God works towards. Towards conforming us into the image of his son. Everything we face in life. But anyway, you know, the children of Israel, Jehoshaphat realized that the enemy came to dispossess them. He realized that the enemy has come in to dispossess us from our inheritance. Brother and sister, we all have obtained an inheritance. Like it says in Ephesians, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things uh, all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be the, to the praise of His glory. So God has given us an inheritance. But the enemy is there to try to dispossess us, to try to cast us out, to, to endeavor to, to, um, to drive us out. And thus, uh, you know, the glory of God not being exalted in our But anyway, they were up against, and it says here, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? This was, again, Jehoshaphat's prayer. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. And you know, sometimes we need to get to that place. We need to get to that place where we acknowledge we have no might, absolutely no might against this company. That was Jehoshaphat's confession. I have no might. We have no might against this great company. No might. And as you know, sometimes we, I found myself, like I said, the past few weeks, I found myself twice in that place where, uh, but it was more, more the second verse, second phrase of this where I, is where I found myself. It says, neither know we what to do. There's times when we're up against, we know not what to do. <laughs> And, like I said, that's where I found myself, you know, and that was Jehoshaphat's confession. This great company that's against us, we know not what to do. But then he says, but our eyes are upon thee. And that's the answer, brother and sister. That's the answer right there. God, as we keep, as we stay our eyes upon the Lord, as we stay our eyes upon Him, but our eyes are upon Thee, Jehoshaphat said. You know, his confession was that we have no might and power, but his faith, his faith, his his eyes were cast upon the Lord. His faith was stayed upon his God. You know, sometimes these things look fearful. 
These things look fearful. You know, I believe that's the meaning of dismay in the Bible. You know, when we, uh, when, when, um, in Isaiah it says, fear not nor be dismayed. You know, I believe dismay is, is confusion, more or less. You know, when we come to a place of, of where we know not which way to turn. You know, the enemy would love to dismay us. He would love to just get us confused to a place where we, where we, you know, we're just in turmoil and we get discouraged and we just kind of, you know, lose our way. And that was Jehoshaphat's confession. He said, neither know we what to do. But, he said, but our eyes are upon thee. Our eyes are upon thee. And may that be our confession in our time of great need. Isaiah 50, it says, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. You know, the next verse says, Behold, <laughs> behold all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourself about with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire and the sparks that ye have kindled. I think that, that simply means that, you know, sometimes we try to light our own fires. We try to kindle our own sparks. We try to make our own light for, our, for the path that is dark before us. But here, Isaiah says clearly, when you walk in darkness, when there is darkness and you have no light, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. So we see Judah. We see Judah together with their wives and children standing before the Lord. My question is, will God answer a posture such as that? Will God answer? Here they were all standing before the Lord. None of them knew how they were going to get through this. None of them knew, none of them, all of them realized they had no might. And they stood there before the Lord. Just a beautiful picture, <laughs> you know. Just a beautiful picture of them standing before the Lord. There they were. Their eyes upon Him. Okay, let's go on. Let's go on to verse, um, verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed, by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them in the, at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerul. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, Worshipping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kothites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Now here we see, here we see God coming through. Here we see God's answer coming through. And that's exactly what happens. As we walk in faith, as our eyes are stayed upon our God, His answer comes. His answer comes. And here we see the answer coming through 
to Jehoshaphat. Through the, uh, through the, um, uh, through one of the sons of uh, Asaph, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And it says, you know, he began to prophesy. And he began to prophesy. And clearly the word of the Lord came through to Israel. The word of the Lord was given. And so many times when we're up against, you know, we need to, as our eyes are stayed upon our God, His answer comes through. And that's where faith is. You know, faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. You know, as we hear from our God in those times, faith arises. And that's exactly what happened to Israel here. Faith began to arise in their hearts. You know, the word was given. Fear not, hearken ye all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You know, and the word was clearly given. Be not afraid. And it says, Jehoshaphat bowed, verse 18, bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. So it's very important. You know, it's very important that we have, um, let's turn our Bibles to Psalms chapter 18. Very important that, you know, when the word of the Lord comes, that we recognize the answer. We recognize this is a word of God for my situation. This is the word of the Lord that is being spoken right into my situation. Right into my dire need. Right into my difficulty. Right into the place where I know not whither to go. Anyway, Psalms 18. Let's go there just briefly. I get the picture here of David, you know. David says, I had, I had um, read those from 3 to 6 earlier, where it says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Then verse 6, David says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. And that's what I picture there with uh, Jehoshaphat. You know, as they stood before the Lord, they were in a great place of distress. But God's cry began to enter into, I mean, I mean, their cry began, began to enter into the ears of God. Their cry began to enter into His ears. And then it says, when that took place with David here, it says, Then the earth shook and trembled, the foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. Things begin to happen. You know, as our eyes are stayed upon God and our cry enters into his ears, things begin to happen. And that's exactly what happened here. Things begin to take place. It says, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly, yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the sky. At the, darkness of, at the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed hailstones and coals of fire. You know, I just get the picture there of, you know, things began to shake. And that's what happened with Jehoshaphat. You know, things began to shake and move as their cry entered into the ears of their God. 
Things began to happen. And upon the upon one of the sons of Asaph came the Spirit of God, who then prophesied. And the word of the Lord was given. Turning back to Chronicles chapter 20. You know, when that word comes, this is a time to rejoice and shout for what has been given by the Lord. Because it shall surely come to pass. The word that God has spoken into our situations will surely come to pass. They shall come to pass. And it's a time to rejoice. And that's what happened with Israel here. They began to rejoice in the Lord their God. They realized the word had been given. They realized that the word had been prophesied. The word of God had come. And faith arose in their hearts. And they began to rejoice and shout even before they went out against the army. It says in the Levites and the children, and the Levites of the children of the Kothites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the attitude that needs to be taken when we, when the word of the Lord comes. That we hold fast that word and even begin to rejoice and shout. Because it shall come to pass. <laughs> you know, two years ago when I was in discouragement and kind of, I mean, kind of working through that in my life. And, um, and you know, the word of the Lord came to me during that time of um, Brother Emmanuel's series of messages. And I knew it was the word of God. And by God's grace, I... I I held on. I mean, I fought for three weeks. The enemy wanted to lie to me and just tell me, you know, that's not going to work. You're going to, you're going to fall into discouragement just like before. And, um, you know, I, I fought for the, I, I just stood by God's grace. I, I, I faltered once. I remember that three week period I did falter once, but, but I got right back up again and took hold of that promise afresh and anew. And God's word was true. In three weeks time, I wasn't even, after three weeks, I wasn't even tempted anymore, basically. I entered into that rest, I believe it talks about in Hebrews, you know, as we take hold of the Word of God. And so, just wanting to encourage us that when the Word of the Lord comes, that is the Word of guidance and direction for your situation. That's what God is giving to get you through. And that's exactly what happened more recently here. You know, God gave me a Word. And as I kept my eyes upon him, and I realized this was the word of God for my situation. And I found my way right through by his grace. So God desires us to learn to keep our eyes upon him. To, like, like, uh, like Isaiah said, I mean, Jehoshaphat said, but our eyes are upon thee. In our difficult and dire situations. And so, amen. It's a time to rejoice. Let's go on. Um, give a clock here. There it is. Oh. It says, and, and uh, the next day, verse 20, And they rose up early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. 
And when they had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Here we see, here we see uh, another factor that is important in this whole dynamic of, of victory and of conquering the enemy, and that is obedience. Here's a clear example of obedience. They, you know, uh, Jehoshaphat had clearly been told the day before by the prophet, um, uh, by the sons, of, by the son of Asaph. There, he had clearly been told in verse 16, "Tomorrow go ye down against them." He had been clearly told, "Go down against them." Direction was given. Direction was given for them to go down against the adversary, and. Um, and that's an important part of, of our, of conquering the enemy. You know, realizing that sometimes when we're up against the enemy, that we face that monster in the eye. Instead of, you know, instead of kind of being on the defense, God put them on the offense. God told him to go out against the enemy. And that's often the heart of God for us, that, that we're not just in a survival mode, but we're in a mode of offensive. Tactic and strategy. And that's where Jehoshaphat, that was the word of the Lord that was given to Jehoshaphat. It go out against them. And again, you know, Jehoshaphat told Israel, believe in the Lord your God. You know, he was saying, believe what has been spoken. But anyway, he told them to go out against them. And then in verse 21 it says, and when he had consulted with the people... He appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And here they strategized, and I can just see that, I can almost see them, you know, they were still, they were still rejoicing from the day before. I mean, they had had a great time of rejoicing. What does it say there? It says, um, it says the day before they had rejoiced all, uh, they had praised the Lord God on, of Israel with a loud voice on high. I mean, they were praising and rejoicing. I can just see them kind of strategizing and saying, you know, how are we going to go out against the enemy? Well, hey, we've got the victory. We've been promised the victory. We've been promised sure defeat of our adversary. Let's go out against them. <laughs> Shouting and rejoicing. Just as, just as uh, had taken place the day before. And so it says, and when he had consulted the the, uh, with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the Lord. And, I mean, that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And to say, praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. You know that word mercy is kindness? For his kindness endureth forever. You know, when we're in a strait, when we're in a, and, and if you look in the, um, where it says, we're to come boldly unto the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need, that word mercy I looked up one time means compassion. You know, many times the, God, is, God just desires to pour out upon us His mercies, His kindness, His compassions in our great time of need when we're up against. And, and so they went out praising the Lord this way. They went out praising the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. This is a, this is a song they went out with. That God, we thank You that Your mercies are upon us. Your compassions, you know. So that's the way they went out in singing and rejoicing before their before their God. 
bearings here. And with Jehoshaphat, their leader, encouraging them, they went out with song. They went out with a song, praising God. Up against the confusion. Up against where they knew not, no, up against where there was no way. Up against an enemy who they had no might with. No might against. This is the way they went out. With rejoicing and shouting and praise and thanksgivings. <laughs> that's the way they went out against the adversary and the enemy. God, that's, I believe there's a principle here. Well, let's, let's read verse 22 now. Let's go down to verse 22. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. When they had made an end of the, end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. So here we see clearly that as they went out against, you know, here was, here was this great multitude. And granted, we, we face great multitudes of thoughts sometimes, right? I mean, negative thoughts. I want to, you know, when we're up against just the lies of the enemy telling us it's not going to work. You're not going to get through this. Uh, you're going to be overcome. And, um, but you know, I see the day before God, I mean, I see God as they went out they went out against the adversary, singing and rejoicing and praising God. God was preparing those instru- instruments of death. <laughs> I mean, like it says in Psalms, it says that, um, it says, My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. And if he turn not, I get the picture here. You know, if our adversary that is pursuing us, with all of his strength and might, if he turn not, God says, I will wet my sword. I will sh- that, that word wet is W-H-E-T. We, we know what that means, right? Sharpen. In old times, there was a whetstone that uh, was used to sharpen knives and swords and blades. We know that that means uh, a sharpening stone. So here, here God says, in Psalms it says, David says, If he turn not, if my adversary turn not, he will wet his sword. He will wet his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. <laughs> I get that picture. You know, as we, as our eyes are upon the Lord, the God is just waiting for that right, right moment to strike that arrow into the heart of the enemy. To put that sword upon him and cut him down. And so, yeah, and then it says, um, He has prepared for him the instruments of death. <laughs> death to our enemy. A total defeat and annihilation. Death to his pursuit of us. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. And again, I, I think it's very important when God speaks that we believe his word. You know, as, as they went out, Je, uh, Jehoshaphat said, believe. Believe his prophets. Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall ye be established. Believe his prophets. So shall ye prosper. You know, it's so important that when a word, when the word of God is given, we embrace and believe. And this was the case with Israel. You know, they went forth. They went forth believing Him. They went forth with song. They went forth with rejoicing. This was their strategy. They went forth in that way. 
And I believe that's often God's way as we face confusion in our lives, as we face things that appear to us like, like there is no way through. We go out against that thing in rejoicing, in praising God. Lord, you're going to make a way. We thank you, Father. We thank you that a way will open up before us. And I believe that's the heart of God many times when we face that confusion. When we're in a place where we're tempted to dismay. We're tempted to give in to this great multitude of thoughts or of, of uh, words that are being spoken against us. You know, that we recognize that God, it's the time to shout and rejoice. <laughs> it's the time to, you know, when the word of the Lord has been given, God will surely make a way. And as we go out against the enemy, shouting and rejoicing and giving praise to our God, look what happens. The enemy is the one that was given over to confusion. The adversary himself, that great multitude, was given over to absolute Disoriented, dis, being disoriented and confused so much so they I mean God's word was true they didn't have to fight they didn't have to raise sword or shield in that battle I mean I know that's necessary sometimes you know that we use the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and we lift the shield of faith but in this case you know God had told him the day before stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and that's exactly what took place they went out in rejoicing, in singing, and God set ambushments. Ambushments, all kinds of things began to take place in the camp of the adversary, and they ended up killing one another. It says they killed the inhabitants of Mount Seir, and then they turned, and they furthermore even turned on each other, uh, Moab and Ammon. It says, when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked Unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. So, amen. Let's remember, we all face the enemy coming against us like a flood. And we may face it more and more in the day that we live in. Where we, you know, time may come when we're persecuted for our faith in this country with you know, with the way the country is going. And um, let's remember that God always makes a way for us. His grace is sufficient, whether we're given over to martyrdom or whether God makes a way of escape like He did many times with David when the adversary was uh, hard on his, you know, hard in pursuit after him. Um, God will make a way. It's the time to realize that the enemy will suffer, cert- will suffer certain defeat. You know, I like it. I like the, um, I like in, uh, in Psalms 150. Brings this, this, it brings in this thought of rejoicing before the Lord when we face our adversary. By the way, you know, many times we just need to have our eyes open. <laughs> you know, the eyes of, um, Elisha's, Elisha's servant when they were open. And again, this was a time when a great multitude was coming down against them. Elisha wasn't scared. He wasn't afraid. He just said, and you know, the, the young man, the young servant there was fearful. I mean, he was at a place of dismay. And, but Elisha said, God, would you open the eyes of the young man that he can see? 
And God, and God opened up the young man's eyes to the spiritual realm. And there was all kinds of... It says the, the mountain was filled with horses and chariots. <laughs> you know, we don't see, see that spiritual realm. And, but God wants us to recognize it's truth. The Lord is host is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And, but anyway, here in Psalms 150 it says... Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and a two-edged sword in their hand, to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. Then it says, This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. This honor, we, we all have, David is saying, as saints, we all have this honor. We all have this honor to let the high praises of God be known in our situations. And then it says, you know, when that happens, and yes, a two-edged sword, the sword of the Word of God is needed at times to bring defeat and to pierce into the heart of the enemy. But it says when this happens, it executes vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people and binds their kings, even the strongholds in our lives. You know, maybe you're working through a stronghold in your life today. You know, here's, here's an answer. I mean, a stronghold, it says, to execute vengeance upon the heathen, punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains. You know, maybe you have a stronghold. Maybe there's a giant in your life that you're endeavoring to conquer and overcome, but he keeps just, you keep just falling under him. You know, recognize this area, this dynamic of going out against the adversary in praise and rejoicing and in faith, realizing that God's word has been given. Yeah, allow, open up your, I mean, ask God for a word for your situation. But then when the word comes, go out against that adversary with, in, in a spirit of rejoicing, realizing that. There is no power. There is no power but of God. There is no power that can overcome me, that can, that, uh, that I can be put under. And, um, like I said, I know some of us have faced strongholds in our lives. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to work your way out of a stronghold. But the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not might, or not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. You have that opportunity to rather bring your thoughts into captivity by the power of God, by the wisdom of God, by His Word being spoken into your life. If I can just share, you know, I've, 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 worked, I've had to work my way through a stronghold. Some of you know that. And... and um, you know, the, the thing I've really learned is there, you know, where it says there is a rest for the people of God. But you know, the next verse sounds so contradictory. It says, labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. And that's the labor of faith, brother and sister. That's the labor of faith. You know, when I came to that place of holding, I held fast to the word that was given to me um, two years ago. By the grace of God, I, I embraced it and held, kept. I mean, I say all the glory. I say, say it all to the glory of God, but I kept the commandment of the Lord, the 
promise of God that was given to me. And in no time at all, I entered into rest in that area of my life. I mean, it took, it took some real battle and fight for about three weeks because I had to, I had to stand against that thing and, and, you know, realize that these are lies and Satan would try to come in this angle and this angle. But I stood by the grace of God. And that enemy was conquered and I entered into rest. And I believe that's the example there. Labor to enter into rest. Labor in faith. The labor is faith. Just like in Israel, the labor was faith for them to, you know, for them to enter into Canaan land, but many of them fell in unbelief. They didn't believe that Jericho could be conquered, that the enemy nations, that the giants could be overtaken. Anyway, let's go on here. Back to Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 20. It says here in verse 26, And on the fourth day, they... No, where was I at? 25 is where... Yeah, 25 is where I wanted to read. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves. More than they could carry away, and they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. You know, the Lord, you know, God, the heart of God is that, not, is that we not only conquer our enemy, but that we, but that we spoil him to the place where we can acquire to ourselves much and abundance of riches and precious jewels. That's the heart of God. That we not only bring certain defeat and a conquering of our, of that great multitude that's against us, but that we gather to ourselves an abundance of riches and spoil and precious jewels through it. I mean, we, we see that example with Israel. You know, Israel, it says, after they left Egypt, they, before they left Egypt, they had, uh, the Egyptians gave them, I mean, they gave them pots and vessels and jewels and all kinds of things. You know, it says they, the, uh, the, um, Israel spoiled the Egyptians. And we see later on, what were those jewels and precious things, the gold and silver, what were they used for? Exactly. The building of the tabernacle. And God wants us to use, God wants to use, not only, how should I say, God's heart is that we not only bring certain defeat, and overcome our adversary, but that we gather much precious jewels and an abundance of riches to use for what? <laughs> and that's what I'd like to get into here a little bit. Is um, You know, it says Jesus, I believe Jesus, uh, and I'm not sure whether, where, I don't think necessarily he got these gifts from, from the enemy when he was, you know, when, he, when it says he led captivity captives. But it does say he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And as I understand, in olden days, that was kind of the, the example. You know, the the um, the a nation would go out, go out against another nation, and they would, if if that nation was conquered, if that enemy nation was conquered, they would bring back, march through the first of all, march their prisoners of war through the uh, through the streets, and uh, but also they would give out gifts. And I picture them giving out the gifts of the spoil that they had gathered to themselves. From that nation that was over, overcome, and here, here I think we see that example of. Um, 
I mean, of course, we see the example there with the tabernacle. But I just like to bring that home. How, how, how can this abundance of riches, how can we gather spoil from our enemy when we overtake him? How can we gather an abundance of riches and spoil and use them for the glory of God? Well, I think it's important. I think, you know, some of the things that are important are for, you know, we can gain jewels and an abundance of riches through experience, through just simply the experience of what we've gone through. We're better equipped for the next time. We're better equipped for the next time we face our adversary or or a, a tremendous difficulty or circumstance where we know not how to get through. We're better equipped. You know, God works in our lives. To build us up, to strengthen us, to empower us, and to make us men and women of God. And as we use our experiences and recognize, you know, I just went through an experience that I'm going to gain much wisdom out of. <laughs> much wisdom and much uh, insight, much, uh, how should I say, much direction, you know, just... I'm going, to, I'm going to take this experience and realize what it's done for me and, be, and learn from. But also, I think, the, um, I think it's important. The jewels, you know, in the Old Testament there, what they used from the spoil they had gotten from the Egyptians, they used them for the building of the tabernacle. The building of the tabernacle was for the use of everyone. It was, it was for the use of all of Israel. And I believe that's important that, you know, as we, as we, uh, bring certain, as we conquer our adversaries, as we overcome our, that great multitude that, that's against us, that we share our experiences. That we're able to give to another who's in their, his or her place of need. That we recognize, I have something to give. I have an experience that I can give to another. That hopefully they can learn from and be blessed with and be ministered to. So, amen. Our faith grows stronger. We're established in Christ. But like I said, the tabernacle is to be a blessing to oneself, but also for others. So these are precious experiences, brother and sister. You know, experiences that God wants to use to purge us and purify us and make us vessels of honor, meet for the Master's use and prepared unto every good work. You know, that you can gain to your, that you can, how should I say, that vessels, you know, vessels sometimes are made out of gold and silver. You know, that you acquire spoil from the enemy and somehow a vessel is created. Somehow a vessel is formed that you're able to pour out into the life of your brother and sister. That vessels of honor are created through our experiences. And vessels are used for what? To hold something. To give to others. To give a, you know, a a cup of cold water. Spiritual cup of cold water. A word in season to him that is weary. You know, let's use our experiences, brothers and sisters. Let's use our experiences. Let's gain the mileage that God wants us to gain in helping each other, 
We're on a journey where we're in a warfare. We know, we all know this life is not a game. We're in a warfare. And we need each other. Sometimes we need to link arms with each other. But we definitely need each other to the degree where we're into each other's lives, interacting with each other, giving to each other, and out of the vessel that, that formed through my experience, I now have a vessel of, can I say gold, to give to another? Like it says, I think of that uh, example in Proverbs. It says, a word in season is like pictures of, how does it say? A word in season is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. <laughs> so these are precious experiences that God wants to use to the building of His kingdom. Yes, Jesus Christ is a chief cornerstone. But it says, it says from Him, the whole building. From him the whole building is fitly framed together. It groweth up into an holy temple of the Lord. And many times it's by those jewels and riches, it's by those jewels that we attain to ourselves through the experience of going through a battle. Through the experience of of having overcome the adversary. And here's our brother now in his time of need. And we, you know, we have the answer. I mean, God wants to often use us to, to be that word. I mean, it was, it, was, it was the son of Asaph who gave the word to Jehoshaphat, right? It wasn't just some voice out of heaven, some, you know, some thundering voice that all of a sudden came. And, no, it was, a, it was a human being. It was a man in flesh and blood who the answer came through for Israel. And many times that's what God's heart is. He wants to use you and I's experiences to, to bless others and to build up His body. To build up the body of Christ. Realizing I have experienced that and I can give a word in season. By the grace of God, I believe I have a word in season for that brother, for that sister. And thereby, they're profited. You have used a jewel that you have spoiled your experience with the adversary. You have gained to yourself jewels that now you can build up God's temple with the body of Christ. Making it into a holy temple of the Lord. It says, We're builded in whom ye also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit. So, amen. Let's uh, let's, uh, close up here. And um, let me read from verse 26 through 30. It says here, and on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord, wherefore the name of the same place was called the valley of Barakah unto this day. Then they returned, every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them, to go again to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was in all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. They took time to return and give thanks. You know what that word barakah means? I, 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 was, I was amazed yesterday. You know what it means, uh, Earl? 
Yeah, well, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely they were giving thanks because of that. But the word barakah means benediction. I thought that was interesting. They took time to give a benediction to the Lord. You know, at the beginning of a service, we ask God for his grace and help and that the service might be anointed and be a blessing. And we have a benediction at the end, giving him thanks for how he's supplied our need, how he's blessed our service and, and gave, gave his word. You know, at the close of the day, I trust many of you families have a benediction. You have a time where you give thanks to the Lord as a family for, your, for God's protection over the day, for his blessing, for the way he used you in that day, for the way he used, you know, perhaps used you in a spiritual sense in, in, in ministry. You know, we have, a, we have a time as a family where we have a benediction. And that's exactly what they did. You know, they, they realized the need of a benediction, a time of closure to all of this, and a time of giving of thanks to the Lord. And that's exactly what they did. They came back to Jerusalem. It says they assembled themselves in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the same place was called the valley of Barakah unto this day. They blessed the Lord. Took time to bless and give thanks. They were not like, you know, they were like that one leper who came back and returned thanks to the Lord. And that's God's heart, you know, that we remember to give him thanks. You know, when we're in a time of need, it, you know, we tend at times perhaps, perhaps, you know, in our prayers, Lord, help me in this and that. But, you know, you know, it does say in Philippians when it says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, it says, with what, Brother Earl? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And we, we see that in the life of David. We all love the book of Psalms because it ministers to us in our time of need many times. But you know, the other, other part of David is a man of thanksgiving. Tremendous man of thanksgiving. Just thanking God. I mean, he often ends his psalms with thanks. Perhaps before, you know, before even the enemy was uh, overcome or defeated. But many times, you know, it was also after. After there, after there had been a conquering of his adversary. I think of, I think of Psalm 30. It says in Psalm 30, um, I love that example. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read a few verses. Verse 30, chapter 30 says, I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted up, for, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried unto thee and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. And he says, sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. There's an example, you know, of David being in deep time of distress and need. But here it says, God, you brought me up my soul out of the grave. You delivered me. Psalms 40, I think of that one. You know, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard me. Um, yeah, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought up also, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he says, and he has put a new song in my mouth. <laughs> you know, let's remember to give thanks to the Lord, just as a means of blessing his heart. Not necessarily for any gain we get ourselves, but as a means of blessing his heart for what he's done for what he's given.
So that was the example here. They returned and gave thanks. And um, one more verse on that I'd just like to share is in, um, I can find where I had that. I'm not sure where I had that. But in one place it says that um, Israel, it says that uh, David says, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. There's nothing wrong in giving thanks when we're in each other's presence. It says, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I think something about the assembly as well. And so let's remember, God gets glory. It's not, you're not getting glory to yourself. If you stand up in the midst of the congregation, that's not pulling glory to oneself. If you give the glory to God and say, God, you, God in a tremendous way came through in my life. So maybe those, brother and sister, you know, it says at the at the end of it, it says, and the fear of God was on, on all the kingdom of kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest roundabout. And there does come a time, I believe, as we fight our battles, as we labor to enter into his rest, where perhaps it's because we're more established and in the faith. You know, I can't be moved by Satan's tactics and his temptations. That we're at a place where, you know, he recognizes he can't get at us anymore. And he just, he backs up a bit more, I believe. And that's the example here. You know, it says the fear of God was in all the nations. And they didn't, they didn't even attempt any longer to come up against Jehoshaphat and his realm. And so I think there is, there is a time, you know, there's a, there's a fighting of our battles. There's a laboring of faith. But then there's the entering into rest. And not that we don't have any more battles and fights. There might, it might be more for others. In fact, I believe that somewhat. You know, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them, all those that love him. What is a crown? A crown is a picture of, of authority. A crown is a picture of a realm, of maybe a domain that, that is under one. And so in the spiritual realm, God wants to, God's heart is to give us a crown of life. A crown where you have spiritual authority, perhaps in ministry, in the, into the lives of others. And uh, authority in the, yeah, in the, in, the, in the spiritual realm. And it's a crown of life. It's a ministry of life. Through your experiences that you've gone through. And uh, so I believe that's, you know, that's God's heart. Yes. But most of all that we can remember, but our eyes are upon thee. But our eyes are upon thee. You know, when we're in dire circumstances and in places where we know not whither to go, God will make a way, just as he did with Jehoshaphat and Israel. So God bless.